I'm Paul Hamill and you're listening to the Grassroots Coach Podcast, a podcast for grassroots soccer enthusiasts. We're the outlier because we're so focused on England uh, and, and kids making a breakthrough in an English team, which doesn't really happen all that often, do you know what I mean? And, and then it's a case, because it's such a physical league as well, it's a case of players dropping down on loan, they might get a bad injury, they drop, lose confidence, there's so many pitfalls. I just think if Irish players are staying till 18, great. In this episode, I'm joined by Stephen Finn, UEFA A coach and member of the Football Research Group at Waterford Institute of Technology, and Mark Rodden, football commentator and journalist, where we discuss the elite player pipeline in Irish football. Do you think we can get to that place of joined-up thinking? Seems to be the lack of trust between different parts of the game, whether it's schoolboys, League of Ireland, there's certainly... You know, things you'll hear now with the, with the League of Ireland Academies, there's, there's a huge lack of trust there because the schoolboys will say, you know, they list off numerous things like they don't have the coaches, they don't have the facilities, they don't have the money. Lack of trust is absolutely 100%, <laughs> but I think for a start, you can, you can, you can rip a hole in all those arguments because all of the underage League of Ireland teams are coached by people who used to be coaches with schoolboy football. It's the same people. <laughs> sure. um, so I, I, I have no truck with that argument at all. I think the big thing is we have one, uh, we have, we don't have a real vision, you know, the real vision of the FEI. Like I always use this example, the USA um, about 25 years ago, set out a plan to win the 2022 World Cup. And they never, like, I, I think it's highly unlikely they're going to win the 2022 World Cup. But look how many Champions League players they have now. They So people had a vision in mind. We don't have a vision in mind. For me, our vision should be 20 years from now, Ireland will win the European Championships. That is not... Uh, it's not a, an unbelievable uh, ambition because Belgium uh, and other countries have shown how you can climb, right? That's a clear vision. So what are we doing? Why are we restructuring the game? Because of that vision. We should also have the vision of reaching the quarterfinals of the Women's World Cup. And then they should be our pillars, the two pillars. And that doesn't mean it's elite, 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 elite. It's the exact opposite. Sure. It means united, combined, working together to give our players, every player in the country, the best opportunity. And st- like John Wooden says, uh, great things can happen when nobody cares who gets the credit. In Ireland, more people care who get the credit than actually care about uh, the, the, the welfare of our players. And Mark, you wrote about the Belgian vision 2000. And what, what I find yeah. interesting about that is when in my time in the FAI, I came in at the start of the FAI, FAI Technical Development Plan, which was 2008, I think. What was in, what was interesting then was the Belgians were interested in what we were doing, and and lots of people knew about that technical development plan. Now I can't recall what the vision was, Stephen, but just tell us a little bit about the um, the Belgian vision. Yeah, well, what was interesting talking to them was, um, I mean, this sounds kind of, kind of obvious, and it's not suggesting that this is not being done in Ireland, but. Um, they said that my whole thing was what are you getting out of this tournament and why is it so important to be there and obviously results important um but not really that important so did bob royce after the um after the ireland game he said that game in front of five thousand people you know high stakes you know we need a draw to get through if ireland win they get through 
that's worth about 10 games in Belgium to those players. Um, and so it, he said there were three strands. So there was the individual development, which comes from playing matches like that. There's the results. So it's he, the way he put it was, it's, it's always a win for us if we get to a tournament because it's such a valuable experience. Mm. And then the, there was the DNA as well. So the style. So the whole thing is a bit like, I guess, has been talked about here is having the same style all the way through so that, you know, the, the senior team will, players will slot in and, and that's the way it'll work. But yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer um, that the, the way all these teams are doing it is is designed to get more players playing. And um, it's it's the talk of, of the, the talk of a grand revision again. Any team that's been successful at senior level has had one. Do you know what I mean? So uh, again, I'm I'm not sure where. Where we're there's there's plans to do stuff in Ireland, but no no overall and I, goal. And I'm not sure because I I kind of became a couple of steps removed from it really over a number of years since I left the FAI. But I'm not sure. Was there ever a follow on from the technical development plan, Stephen? You might be closer to that well, than I would be. Maybe there's been over- a couple of yeah a couple of reiterations of the player mm. development plan, and it was tweaked and 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 you know the reality was. Um, Firstly, I, I believe the vision of that plan was that every player fulfilled their potential, whatever that may be, right? When I read that, I just I, I, I just laughed out loud because that's not a vision. Which is the technical development plan vision. At that time, yeah, yeah. yeah sure, that's yeah. That's yeah. trying to be nice. In Ireland, we're always trying to be nice. Our biggest weakness is that we don't lead people. We don't, and I'm not trying to be critical of any individual person in any way, shape or form, but Irish football has so many fantastic people. I'm part of the uh, football research group in, in Waterford, which actually came on the back of just the stuff that I was doing. Uh, Laura Finnegan asked me in. Mm. And like when I see some of the fantastic people around Ireland who have a fascination for the game and they, you know, they're researching so many different things and so many different strands of, uh, of the sport. Uh, yeah, often... Um, They've never had a relationship with the association because the association ha- has so much to do and it's probably just focusing on doing the programs rather than excelling uh, and, and creating a culture where we can all contribute. I think a big thing is, well, if you look at the Belgian stuff, it, this, it didn't just they didn't just say, here's our plan, snap their fingers and away to go. They spent two years battling with everybody sure. to get yeah. them over the line. In Ireland, we've spent all of this time undermining things. Our council structure is designed to essentially uh, have keep everybody happy. And you can't keep everybody happy. But if you can produce a clear vision, which is what I talked about having, saying you win the European Championships the next X amount of time, and you've got the why, like Simon Sinek, the, uh, he talks about the why. The why is you know, you can do the what, you can do the how, all this sort of stuff, but nothing really matters until people know why they're doing something. I, By and, the way, I, I, I felt the greatest strength of the technical development plan, and I would be biased on this because I, I, I was part of the implementation team. I do think people felt they were consulted with. Now, whether they were or not to, to a great extent, because I would have been in that, I suppose, circle of people who would have been included in that. Um, I think... That was its greatest strength, yeah. So there was this feeling of we got the opportunity to all around the country to to give our view on it. Now, I do know there was a consultation in the Mansion House that was done on a, an invitation 
basis to, to go there. So you could also argue, I wasn't there, but you could also argue, so, well, there, well, there was a consultation. But I suppose if you weren't in there and you're talking to people who weren't in there, they're going to tell you they're not being consulted with. So it is, it's a very difficult that's thing. That's the one that Shane Ross did. Yeah, sorry. No, yeah, see, that yeah. was completely different. That was, okay. Essentially, okay. that was the follow-on to the collapse of the association, for want right. of a better word. Okay. And uh, essentially, the minister wanted to get... Uh, quite a lot of people from around the country to come in and kind of represent their area as best they could and, and sure. opinions and stuff like that. But it was So in relation to what we're talking about, that's not really That relevant. was non-zero yeah, okay. player yeah. development. So gotcha, yeah. I actually yeah. remember the consultation process uh, that went ahead of your uh, of the the uh, the original uh, development plan that you spoke about. Yeah. I was at one or two of them. Uh, and it, yeah, it was interesting. But And it was actually, you know, an opportunity for people to express what they did. But... I, I, there was a few things which evolved. Obviously, there was more resource in association. Then the economy collapsed. We had the, you know, the ticket and stuff. All of that thing that essentially then, you know, there was holes in the boat and people were trying to put their foot on one hole and get a bucket to get rid of uh, the water on the other side. So that was a was a was a problem. It also created an environment then where the senior international team became the be all and end all of generating income. We needed to qualify for tournaments, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But I always pull it back and say, do you honestly think Belgian the Belgian FA struggles to get a sponsor now when they've got amongst the best teams in the world? Focus on your game. Make our game as good as we could possibly be. And all of the sponsors would be falling all over themselves. I remember when Jack Charlton was Jordan manager, you couldn't get a ticket for Ireland versus Albania. Like, yeah, yeah. And whoever we were playing, Lithuania, whoever, they're always full yeah. houses because everyone wants to be associated with success. Sure. And if we had a real focus, like I think we've got a manager who wants to play a nicer brand of football. We've got an exciting bunch of young players. And then there's a big, huge gap to the to the Robbie Brady age group. There's like one a year every, every year since... Mm. And not all of them have reached their potential. So we've got uh, we've got a lot to look forward to. Now is a great time for the FEI to actually pull everyone together. And, you know, I've, I've made this uh, statement before. I would love to pull everyone together into the Aviva Stadium who's involved in Irish football. And almost JFK stand up there and go, right, who wants the game in Ireland to be better? Put up your hand. And if you don't put up your hand thanks, good luck, and enjoy your other sports. Mm, and yeah. essentially take that mentality. And then who wants to be better, even if it means I'm not involved? Because again, it's that desperate desire to be uh, to be given the credit for everything. I would gladly walk away from it if I thought that uh, Irish football was going to fulfil its potential. I did a very crude analysis, right, on... Um, I, I picked Ireland recently, the team uh, that played Serbia in the 3-2 defeat away. And I took Wales, Wales' last game in the qualifier, which was against Hungary. And the reason I picked them, you guys mentioned um, Lithuania earlier, maybe as a comparison. I picked Wales because I thought, do you know what, their league, I don't know how their league compares. Mark, would you know how would the Welsh league compare to our league? Would it be comparable? Uh, we'd, we'd, be, we'd, we'd have a stronger league. Okay, so that's interesting. Uh, so I just thought maybe in trying to compare apples with oranges, maybe, you know, pick whales. So when I looked at, say, the team that started against Serbia for Ireland, right, four Premier League players, six championship players, and one uh, Belgian player, Josh Cullen. And in the uh, game against Hungary, Hungary for Wales, they had 
Uh, same as us, four Premier League players, although their goalkeeper is a Premier player. So we obviously had that problem with goalkeeper in that game, which is fine. A little bit of a, maybe an exception. They had six championship players, same as us, uh, and one player in Serie A, uh, Ramsey. So I'm looking at that going, not much, to, not much difference there in terms of the, the levels they're playing at. But the bit that struck me was they have Bale, Ramsey, Bale and Ramsey, and say that the Premiership player. So they've two exceptional players. And I'm just wondering at, at, the, at the top level for us, is that the bit that's missing? Yeah, but like if you threw Declan Rice and Jack Grealish into the Ireland team mm. over the last 11 games, do you yeah. honestly think we would have won none of them? So yeah. uh, no. So, so there that, is so there is truth in it, and and we were we were unlucky with those players. Yeah, and mm. interestingly, when again again in my studies um, from the under seventeens, like we cap more declarees than anyone else does. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So um, this while people don't like you know I I my I've cousins in England, and some of them are really passionately Irish. And some of them don't really have any connection with Ireland other than I've got lots of Irish cousins. But the funny thing is, their children are both as eligible to play for Ireland as each other. But uh, the kids who feel passionately Irish may never be good enough, and the kids who feel remotely connected to Ireland might be. So do we uh, do we continue with, with that process? For me, I would be of the opinion that we should always leave the door open, but we should focus on making our own players better. My, I believe, honestly, for us to fulfil our potential, we need... It's easier for, to, for us to get one club into the group stages of the Champions League than it would be to get a whole load of uh, players from a load of different clubs into the Champions League. So if Shamrock Rovers, who are our Champions League team this year, got through the group stage, or got through the knockout stages and qualified for the group stages, suddenly you'd have, in the blink of an eye, 15, 16 lads... Irish players playing Champions League for the first time in seven or eight years. Nearly. And you know what? I suppose the question of how do you develop an exceptional player? I mean, I, I, and I know it's a very difficult thing because you've got natural ability and all those sort of things. But the standout for me, and I know what's very, very crude, is we haven't, whatever the term, whatever, whatever you describe an exceptional player as, but you go back to the Roy Keynes and the, the Liam Brady's, how do we get to that point? It's probably all of what we're talking about is, you know, mm. play, you know, getting the opportunity to play at a high level on a regular basis. But mm. does it go back to the start, like the Belgians, where you're, you know, and Mark, you were saying one of their pillars is, you know, individual development and 1v1. Do we need to start looking at, whilst making the game available to everybody, we need to provide the right environments for, to, for those exceptional players to come out? Because for me, that was the difference between those two, those two squads I, th- I think that's I think that's the difference at international level. You know, mm. mo- mo- most international teams that are doing well will have one or two, you know, brilliant players mm. throughout a generation or whatever. Um, but I, I, I was struck actually thinking back. Um, there was a game Ireland played under twenty ones September twenty eighteen in Tala, lost six nil to Germany. It was at that game, and it just struck me watching it. Josh Cullum was the captain. I think Declan Rice was unavailable or whatever for that one. But this was at a time when we were like, oh, maybe we can get second in the group or maybe even push Germany, whatever. And it was over in no time. And again, you're you're not really comparing like with like because Germany's massive population. But the, the, the main difference watching them was all of those guys had played, you know, 
50, 100 Bundesliga matches already. They looked like men. And, you know, some had gone for big fees, but it wasn't the, the best German team by any means. You know, Benjamin Henricks, Lucas Klosterman, guys like that. But so so this is this is I, I just think we're, we're handicapping ourselves um, by the way we approach it. Um, what what the end goal is so many so many people just want to get over get kids over to england and i suppose it's it's not really the same for wales because you know if they're moving to wherever it's it still feels like home mm. you know whatever english club they might move to as as a youngster whereas we're sending kids over that are really talented and before it was you know you you're dealing with kids from the uk or one or two european countries now it's these these academies are hoovering up kids from all over the world um, so I, I just think that's that's the thing that we need to be looking at. I, I do think Champions League football is it's, it's qualifying for tournaments, Champions League football, whatever. I, I think that certain Irish players over the years could have made moves to Champions League teams and maybe went to, I know, you know, I, I think it's for, for their for their point from their point of view and for Ireland in general, like you know, when we had Roy Keane in the Champions League every week, even John O'Shea, whatever, you know, there's much more interest in the games. Um, yeah. Same when we qualify for a tournament. Look at Euro 2016. We gave everyone a lift and, you know, football is the biggest sport in the country. That's That, that was a reminder, you know? And mm. so, so it's, it's the two things, like Kevin Doyle, I saw mentioned on a podcast the other day, he said, like, we're pretty much the only country in the world that does this. It's like, you know, a cattle field where, you know, one or two get picked out, the rest are sent to slaughter, and that's what happens to young players in England. And I think but that, that but that that's gone now, is it? Or, or the 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 implication of Brexit is 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 it as straightforward as you, you need to be eighteen before you can go, or is there more I, to it? That's than, the FIFA rules, yeah. yeah. So we, think, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I think that's that's massive for us because it's, it's, it's a game changer. It, it, yeah, it's a yeah. game changer yeah. that was. Uh, foisted upon us. It wasn't really our choice, but it means we'll have to. Like, I think the league's been doing well anyway. In the, in the last few years and the standard I think is improving the young players are getting the chances they're coming through you look at someone like Jamie McGrath what the progression he's made from talking under 19 level to you know struggling a little bit at the start and then finding his feet and getting a good move to St Mirren and who knows where he's going to go this summer if he moves on and then I think back to the, the, I just because I cover all these leagues I think like why are we not you know the under 17 tournament in Dublin I was talking to all the scouts tons of scouts from all over the world but they're obviously going this lad's at an English club so there's no point um, whereas if you think back to Jack Byrne I just double checked but I remember covering him back then in 2015-16 he was at Camber when we were in the top flight he scored a goal against PSG he scored for 29 games and then the next season he played six for Blackburn and Wigan now there are issues there, you know, whether it was injuries or wrong club, wrong manager. But I would just love to see more players. And, and it's not really down to the players in many ways, but more clubs just kind of and agents and advisors push players in that way as well. And go to, you know, Irish, an Irish player in the league like Belgium will get on great. Josh Cullen is an example. Yeah. He's doing really well for Andelect. And, you know, that's to me, that's way better than you know, maybe playing for Charlton or whatever, and especially for the younger players, just... That and, they, and especially because that, 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 that door... went that way. He did Vitesse Arnhem, do you know? He, he was over at Vitesse uh, for, you know, a year, and he took a couple of months to get in. He Then he went to Derby, and he stepped up that way. 
and the Bundesliga is a great league as well. You see Jaden Sancho, Jude Bellingham. They're all exceptional players, but I could list a load of other young players. But but Mark, on, but on the base of the door being closed to the UK now, it's it has to become a yeah realistic option. And 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 hopefully it will because I'm, mm. uh, it's something I'm planning to look into in the next few, couple of weeks. Is just to see uh, on the European side, talking to a few people over there, what is it going to mean? Um, because again, I, I, I saw uh, Garcia McNulty is in the under twenty one squad. You know, there was talk of him. He was at Betis. He's at Wolfsburg now. And there's talk, you know, maybe he's going to move on to Eintracht Frankfurt. Maybe that's because the Wolfsburg manager is moving to Eintracht Frankfurt and he likes what he sees. But two weeks ago, the uh, managing director of Wolfsburg was asked about him, an 18-year-old kid. And he said, well, first I've heard about that move, but we want him here. And, you know, they're probably going to lose Maxence Lacroix, who's a 20-year-old French defender. And he's, we want him here. We want him involved in the first team next season. We want him in and around the first team. The idea is that he'll progress. You know, he's already, his passing is good. He under, his understanding of the game is really good. So he's making really good progress. I don't think you hear that at, you know, Irish players who are playing for, you know, whatever English club it might be. Do you know? But do you, do you think European clubs there. will be interested in the Irish type of player? I hope so. Mm. Um, and I think, I, I I would imagine so because a lot more of them are coming through. Um, a lot more to, to me. Looking at the Irish youth sides now, we're playing a better brand of football. Mm. We're getting good results, um, and and they're they're technically better. I think now, um, but they're aware of different systems. Mm. This is not. You know, again, it's not. I've had great coaches, and I've seen great coaches in Ireland. But it's it's like Stephen was saying. Just this, to me, there's always been this um, one track mind sort of thing. Whether it's you know, I've got my league, and I need to look after this, or I've got my schoolboy club, and it's it, this is we need to look after ourselves, or it's it's we've got our four four two system, and it's the only way we can play. But I do think all that is changing. Yeah, I would just say that. With every threat, there's an opportunity. And the easiest thing to do is what some people want the FBI to do, which is get down the bended knee and plea to FIFA for derogation so that Brexit our players. Like, let's be honest, we, we have got a very difficult task ahead to make our development level better, right? It's not going to be easy. But we need to be united and we need to have a vision in mind and we need to actually put a structure together. I would, as I said, I'd love, so I, all the kids from Shelbourne go to the same school and the Shelbourne coaches come in in the morning and come in the afternoon and the kids can then go home and not, not be up all night. Like when I was coaching Shells, we were training until 10 o'clock at night uh, in, in the AUL and, uh, you know, we were trying to do the best for the kids and, and, and you know, the kids uh, gave such commitment to it. It's been so tired when they get home, you know. If we could just look at all that and say, right, we'll keep them in school for longer. So there's our advantage. We're giving them an education. Mm. If then they excel and Club X from wherever says, right, we're going to take this player. They're going to pay serious money because they're dealing with a professional club. I think the other thing in terms of more players from Ireland going to all across Europe, if that was to be the case, we only have to look at the USA. In the late 80s, uh, a couple of agents in the, got US players into into German football, lower division initially, and then some good players emerged. Jovan Karovsky broke through uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund, 
And then suddenly the pathway for American players was to Germany. If they're going to go to Europe, they generally went to Germany. And it actually started from agents more so than it did scouts. So if uh, a couple of well-connected uh, European agents started looking in Ireland, I guarantee you, you suddenly see, and all it takes is one. So if Jack Bourne uh, is gone to Cyprus now, if he rips it up and his club get into the Champions League and they will go, great, we have another Champions League player. Other Cypriot clubs are going to go, well, why don't we go to Ireland? Like Danny Mandrew, who wouldn't want to sign Danny Mandrew? Uh, Liam Scales, to me, will win, in, win a senior cap if he gets into the right environment. And there's, and you know, there's always another one. There's always another one. And you, know, of- and you know what I often think as well? The, the lifestyle must be fantastic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> even, even from a parent point of view yeah. to go, God, I'm going over to Cyprus to see my son or whatever, fantastic opportunity. Just just to finish up, I, I, I just from what I'm, I'm hearing and listening to, um, the, the, the pandemic made everybody change, you know? So we're all working differently. And it's amazing, it was forced on us. And all of a sudden, all that resistance to, resistance to change goes out the window because you have to adapt. And the Brexit in terms of football would probably have the same effect when people wake up to it and actually see the reality of what it means is that you go, geez, lads, we, we're going to be made change here. And Stephen, to your point, probably for the better, you know, if it makes us change so that we're more self-sufficient, not, not as reliant on uh, the English league in particular to develop our players, surely that has to be a positive thing. And it's going to maybe force us to do it a, a lot quicker, just like the pandemic has forced us to change the way we, we work. Yeah, I think it's you know? a great time for the people who are running Irish football to grasp the nettle. Mm. Like, there were some great ideas proposed by the FAI over the last 20 years. But as soon as anyone kicked up about it and said they didn't like it, uh, a fudge was the result. And essentially, when you try and keep everyone happy, you keep nobody happy. What mm. we need is a real clear vision when we need then a leader to drive it. We need someone to step up and say, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Follow me. And if you want to keep on doing what you've always done, that's perfectly fine. But this is where we're going to channel our resources. This is where we're going to uh, put uh, our efforts in. Like I, I also mentioned on, on super superstar players and whatnot, the sliding doors moments, right? If you look at David Clifford, right? Uh, before the rise of Haaland, the big centre forward seems seem to have been dying, right? David Clifford, the Kerry GA player, uh, is a huge man with an absolute wand of a left foot. And as you saw, his goal against Galway is a brilliant finisher uh, around the box. He scored a hat-trick, but his last goal was like a soccer goal, right? <laughs> if we go back in time, David was a brilliant soccer player in the Kerry League and he was in the Kennedy Cup squad. But he got turned into a left-sided centre-back. Now, in fairness, there is a dearth of left-sided centre-backs. But he was you know, with the benefit of hindsight, you're thinking, imagine if he'd been played centre-forward. Uh, now, I know Kerry GA fans and probably GA fans in general were, would probably be spitting out their tea at the idea of David Clifford uh, becoming a centre-forward. But imagine if, uh, in a soccer team. But imagine if we, he could be our Haaland. He could be the, the man that the Irish attack is built around. But because they came up with a, a decision that was best for the Kerry team at that time, which is perfectly fine, maybe he wasn't noticed and his talent was, was missed by the, by the soccer world and he decided to, to focus on, on, on his football. Like, 
he, he could well have been our Gareth Bale. Mm. Gareth Bale was yeah. a was a run of the mill left back mm. until somebody turns into him a winger, and then suddenly he's an attacking player. And, and by the way, it's a great example. Something I was totally unaware of, but it just shows you where we're. Com- that's the reality of competing with other sports. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, to to me as well, uh, I I just think that the, the best if if the best Irish players are still going to get to England. If if they're good enough and if that's what they want to do, do you know, so you know, your Seamus Collins, your Kevin Doyle's, whatever. So mm. there's no harm in keeping them here. It's, it should be what we're going for. You know, every other league, like I said, I do a lot of Polish football. The Poles are going to probably play a 17 year old tonight. He's in the Euro squad, Katzberg Kotzowski. There's a 16 year old who's moved to Bologna. Um, and again, they're, they're ranked 30th in Europe. So there's no reason why, yeah, population wise, yes. But there's no reason why Ireland should not be doing similar. Even Robert Lewandowski did a big piece on him recently, and he he was released by Legia at 17, and then he went down to the third tier. And like obviously the talent, the 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 development, the the will, the focus, everything. He had the skill, but he got game time, and he you know worked his way up very quickly through the leagues. And it's again so many young players getting. Their chance uh, in in the Polish top flight, for example, or or any league around Europe. I think we're the we're the outlier because we're so focused on England mm-hmm. uh, and and kids making a breakthrough in an English team, which doesn't really happen all that often. Do you know what I mean? And and then it's a case because it's such a physical league as well. It's a case of players dropping down on loan. They might get a bad injury. They drop, lose confidence. There's so many pitfalls. I just think. If Irish players are staying till eighteen, great. You know, yeah. that's the way forward. Just to to support that view, um, I did a study on the, on all the under twenty ones who ever played for Ireland and compared them with then the ones who played in the in the competitive games for Ireland. And eighty five percent of players who played under twenty one for Ireland were with foreign clubs, essentially British clubs, and fifteen percent were with Irish clubs. That is the exact opposite of every other country. Mm. So for every other country, 85% of the players are with home-based clubs and maybe 15% of them are with foreign clubs. But the other thing that people should realise is the players will all get their move eventually. Mm. They will. So if you're... If, if, if you're good enough. Yeah. yeah. So mm. if you're playing for, say, Serbia's uh, under-21s and you're playing for Red Star Belgrade and you're good enough, you will end up playing in Serie A you don't have to, and nobody because, because the network is so vast that you'll, yeah, get, you'll, the pathway, you'll get you'll get picked up yeah yeah the pathway yeah. has been proven and no one's screaming and shouting if when you're 16 you haven't been signed by juventus juventus will sign you when you're 22 you're actually probably more likely to be signed by juventus when you're 28 than when you're 18 uh we need more patience and that's why we've a lot of work but we've fantastic opportunity to make our game better if we all work together and stop wanting the credit for everything the grassroots coach conversations for grassroots soccer enthusiasts